0: You were listening to the sermon series, Follow. In this sermon, Pastor Dan Chung examines the gospel according to Luke, the identity of Jesus, and the cost of discipleship. The following is the presentation of Life Life Church using Francisco. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelikechurch.org. So today the text we have is about Apocalypse and the end time all of that or supposedly and how exciting is that right the first sermon I get to do when, I, when I'm when i back is about the end times um, and you know how I feel about this I try to explain a lot to you that if you focus too much on the end times then there's you are easy to go off the wrong path and when you think about it the two words that are used for end times one is I said it, apocalypse do you know what apocalypse means it's driven from In Latin, but in old traditional English, that really what it means is to. Anybody? Any guesses? You would think like, oh, it's a dark time or the, you know, chaos. It's really not. Just apocalypse, the meaning of it is to reveal. It's a revelation. So when you say apocalypse, that means something is being revealed, right? That's all that means. And we're going to hear about that because Jesus said, when the Son of Man is finally revealed, that means apocalypse, what is happening, right? So, we we misunderstand, like, Armageddon is another word that we use a lot for the end times when Bruce Willis saves all of us from the, uh, the you know, coming Armageddon. Armageddon is, the it's driven from a, a location, a place in the Old Testament called Megiddo. And I actually went there, um, when I was in Israel, I went to Megiddo, it's like, a, there's a hills around and there's a big field where the most battles were done in the time of Israel like and it's pretty awesome um, some of the funny things were we were there in Megido and this is like the you know excavated sites and they were like palm trees <laughs> and like we were like what happened here and he said well you know people who come tourists there spit out the you know Seeds and stuff start growing. (laughs) So there's some random stuff growing in the area. That's kind of how it is. You go toward this area, and there's some random plants growing. They say, yeah, you know, tourists, mostly Americans, um, doing this, spitting stuff out and, you know, seeds growing. Uh, But that's the place. The Megiddo is a place, and that's where in the Bible it says the last battle between the good and evil will, will occur. So that's where we get the, the word Armageddon is the battle at Megiddo, which is the biblical side of it. Um, and, you know, actually the person who was leading the tour was a Jewish Christian, and he still believed this is where it's going to happen, which was kind of funny, but <laughs> that's what he believed. Um, so all this understanding about end times are tends to be, you know, sort of creative, you know. And, and if you read the newsletter that I sent, and there's a verse that we, we're going to read from our text today. And there's a book series that's been, that has come out from that verse. And it's well known. It's one of the best movies that <laughs> Kali ever created. Not. Um, it's called Left Behind. Who's seen it? I've seen it. Who's seen it? Shameless, you know, shamefully. Um, well, I've seen it. It's called Left Behind. And I think there's a Left oh, Behind oh, 2. Yeah, and there's still Left Behind and... Still again left behind, there's more and more and there's like a book series of like twelve books or so, there's a lot they made a ton of, they made a ton of money um... you read it? I read like at least five really? supposedly pretty interesting, movie was funny, like you know you're in an airplane, and whoop the person disappears and their clothes are like folded <laughs> like oh, naked, right? is that how it's gonna be, we're gonna disappear? Um, leaving our clothes behind. What about tooth fillings? Uh, what? Tooth fillings just on the... <laughs> oh, tooth fillings? Oh, was it? Really? You've seen the movie? Know, oh, like, yeah. I don't know. Um, so anyway, this is the stuff we get out of Hollywood and, you know, people who write stuff and we create stuff and, you know, Armageddon, the you know, apocalypse and all these movies and books and stuff. But is that really true? Is that what Jesus is saying when we go through our text today? Um, the focus we're going to have for today is from what we have left behind. It's going to be focuses when is, um, how do we know when the kingdom of God comes? When the kingdom of God comes? That's really the question, and that's going to be kind of repeated theme again through the, uh, through the, the text we're going to read in the coming weeks. So, let's go ahead and read our text, which is Luke chapter 17, verse... 20 through 37. So again, I'll read one verse, and you read the next. Verse 20. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming. And he answered, The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed. No, we will say to love here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is within your grasp. Then he said to the disciples, "The days are coming when you will long to see time of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man in his day the first and the first just as it was in the days of Noah, so too it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and and the Who's seen Noah yet? Nope. Yeah? Was it good? Okay, let's get back to it. Here we go, verse 28. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But on the day that Lot Sodom, rain, fire sulfur destroyed all of them. It will be like that on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. Remember Lot's wife. Those were those who I tell you, on that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Then they asked him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where well, the corpse a corpse is, there the vultures will gather. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that you will give us understanding. You will soften our hearts and, be a, and, and give us light to see what you mean and what we are to understand and know and keep um, in regards to what the kingdom of God is all about and how it is in our lives and how it has already come and is here and it calls us to react and respond to it. We pray that uh, the meditations of our hearts will be pleasing to you and the words of my mouth Will be acceptable to you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Okay, what do you think? What do you think? Thoughts? So, does that mean that the vultures will gather to dead bodies? The vultures will gather to dead bodies? Vultures will usually gather around dead bodies, yeah. But is that what it means? We'll see. What else? What's interest, interesting? What stands out? Well, what's confusing? It's a, there's a lot of confusing stuff. He compares the ending they're looking for to Sodom and the story with no ending. There's a heard. comparison yeah. of the uh, the days of. Uh, Son of Man to the days of Noah and the, the days of uh Lot, which is Sodom and Gomorrah, right? That's interesting. What else? Uh, Everything's fine, it's sulfur from heaven and destroys them, and that means that. And it says on that day, and. Where's this one? On that day, anyone on the housetop who has belongings so in the that house. Like like, yeah. It be on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. It will be like that on the day that Son of Man will be is revealed. Comparing the day of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. So, you know, there are a lot of stuff in this text and if we are not careful, again, we try to get an answer out of. Like, what does this mean? Right? What does this mean? Um, so let me give you the grand scheme of things and what Jesus is saying is because he's basically answering the question that Pharisee has asked. Like, when will the kingdom of God come? Like, And what they're saying is, how will we know? Is there, are there signs? And his precise answer is, there's not going to be a sign. There's not going to be a way that you say, oh, there it is. Oh, it's coming. See, that's what it means. That's when it comes. What Jesus is saying is precisely the opposite of that. He's saying, don't ask when it is. Or don't ask for signs. And us... Obviously, we look at this when Jesus has told us not to look at the sign and say, "Hmm, days of lot, you know, fire, you know, and vultures. Oh, what does that mean? Is that what does that give us a sign to? It must mean us. It must mean this time. That's what we obviously do when Jesus told us not to do. We go, hmm. But He gave us some insights here. Can we find out? But the, really, the whole point of Jesus saying is, don't ask for signs. You know, there you want know. You want know when, right? But there are a couple of things to understand this text better because it is a very very difficult text to understand, and I have to tell you I don't completely understand, and I read so many commentators they don't completely understand. It's so many people have a varying understanding, varying you know focus to like this is what it means, and they all differ so much. Um, <clears throat> and there's a traditional view of it, and there's a modern view of it, and there's up and coming emerging you know you know uh, perspective what this means. So they all vary. Uh, But what we try to get is the core of what Jesus is saying. But there are a couple of things that we need to remember. And this is something that I have been telling us uh, all along. And one is, when Jesus is talking about stuff, and what's to come, what's to happen, He's not talking about distant future. And that's kind of consistent throughout the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus doesn't say, you know... 2,000 years later, 3,000 years later, this is what's going to happen. He does talk about judgment. He talks about what the judgment is like, but he does not talk about what the end time is like. So we need to understand that he doesn't talk about distant future. He talks to people that he's speaking to. Or Luke is speaking of what Jesus had said to the people that are listening in Luke's time. So we cannot try to translate this into 2,000 years later, or the end of the end of the world time. We need to look at it. What was Jesus saying to them? What will they hear? What did they hear? And how did they understand when Jesus said, said these things? Because it would be totally irrelevant for Jesus to say to people in the first century. You know when you know if this happens three thousand years later or two thousand years later, this is how it's going to be. And people will say. Well, what do we do with that? That's completely irrelevant. Why would Jesus do that? So Jesus doesn't. He speaks of the present, to the crowd that he's speaking to. So, considering that, what is Je- what does Jesus mean? Especially when he says in verse 31, and verse 34, and 35, about, you know, what happens about verse 31. On that day, anyone in the housetop belonging would, you know, um, in the house must not come down to take them away and likewise anyone in the field must not turn back. And he talks about how one will be taken up and one will be left behind, right? So what does Jesus mean when he says that stuff? And uh, I agree with one of the the commentator has mentioned and a couple of them uh, insist on this. He said we try to un- try to understand these things in apocalyptic end of time war, but Jesus is talking to the crowd or the Luke's audience who has experienced their world being turned upside down, which is the time when the Roman Empire came in. So, AD 70, you, as some of you remember, um, the Romans came and took away, killed a whole lot of Israelites, and kicked Israelites out of Israel, destroyed the temple, and destroyed everybody. So, that might be, and I say might, because there is no complete, perfect answer to this, might be what Jesus is saying, and it seems, makes sense that Jesus is saying, this is what's going to happen, there's going to be chaos coming, the end of the world to you, and you shouldn't go up and try to grab your stuff. You should just run. When you see Romans coming, run. The vultures mean the same um, in this context, or in the same word as eagles. And eagles were the symbol of Roman Empire. It says, Romans are coming. And uh, when he says the one will be left behind and one will be taken, the one who's taken isn't being taken up in the heaven. <laughs> as we like to understand, or some people like to understand. That's not what it means. The one will be taken is actually one who's been taken to the doom. The Romans are going to come and take you. And if they're going to come take you, take some of you, some of you will be left behind, some of you will be gone. But what about the bed analogy? One person will be sleeping. That's what it means. In ordinary day, like when there's nothing seems to be wrong, all of a sudden there's going to be chaos. And they're going to come and get you, some of you, and some of you will be left, and some of you will be taken away. Jesus is telling him, this is what's going to happen. And here's why Jesus, Jesus would tell you this stuff. And we're going to move on to that. Um, because in verse 30 it says, as Jesus was talking about this, it says, it would be like that, and we'll talk more about that, when the Son of Man is revealed. Son of Man is revealed means, it talks in the context of greater Luke, and we'll continue to talk about this in coming weeks, is when Jesus is vindicated that who Jesus was has been vindicated to the people who are alive, people who were, who know about Jesus in the first century, when the Romans come and take them away. And what that means is also we have to understand the term son of man. Son of man is a term that's referenced from Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. So let me go ahead and read that. You have it on your sermon guide, the part from Daniel. Verse 13 and 14 it says as i watched the night visions as i watched in the night visions i saw one like a human being coming with the clouds of heaven and he came to the ancient one to the ancient one which is god was presented before him to him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away and his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed it says son of man this is uh, the verse where the Son of Man is driven. And what that means, when you look at the Daniel, in the context of all of Daniel, there is a battle between the Son of Man and the beasts, the enemy. And the enemy is the one who opposed the Son of Man. Who opposed the Son of Man? Who opposed Jesus in His time? Who killed Jesus? Jews, the Pharisees and leaders. What happens to them? And what does Jesus tell his disciples this will happen? The temple will be destroyed. They'll be taken away. What is Jesus saying? What happen to his enemies? That they'll be taken away. They'll be destroyed. There will come the end of their time, their dominion. And that's what this means. Jesus is saying the end time will come to you. In your, in your lifetime, and it will be the time that I will be vindicated. I will be revealed that what I said have come true. And people would know that I was true. That I was, what I said and what I have done is true. So that's one thing. Um, so we need to understand when the Son of Man is coming, when, about the Son of Man. There's another part about the Son of Man. Because Jesus used this four times in our text, and that's Jesus' favorite title. He says son of, he refers himself Son of Man 40 times in, in all of the Gospels, so it's his favorite title. But he jumps back and forth. When you look at it, first verse 22, he says the days are coming. In that, if you look at it in context, he refers to the days of disciples. He's telling the disciples the days are coming about the Son of Man. And in verse 24, he says, So will the Son of Man be in His day. And he's returning. he's referring to the time that He will come, which is the end of the time. But verse 26, he says again, So too it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Referring to days of Noah and days of Lot. So in that, he refers to all of the times. So we need to understand, what does it mean when the Son of Man comes? And it's... In, in the way that Jesus explains, it means that Son of Man has come already, will come at the end, and it has come through the whole time in comparison. So, what Jesus means is Son of Man being revealed is the kingdom of God that has come. That's the conclusion of I it, mean, that kingdom of God has come. So, um, Jesus is saying, it's happening now. It will happen in your time. It's going to happen throughout the history. It's going to happen at the end times. But... He says, but there is a starting point when this will start happening. When the time of Son of Man will start. And that's in verse 25. Someone go ahead and read. Well, first must much and be by that's the inaugurating point of the kingdom of God. Appealing that something has to happen. And everything follows that and that which is the cross. When Jesus is suffered, And Jesus is rejected by all. So, the whole point of Son of God, the time of Son of God, is about the Kingdom of God, and Kingdom of God. It's how are we to understand the Kingdom of God. Um, And verse 21 is really the key verse in this. Uh, At the end of verse 21, it said, For in fact, the Kingdom of God is... Within your grasp. That's another translation. Not the uh, NRSV. Because there's so many different translations. And this is a point where. This one word. And in Greek. It's. antos Hypnon. Hypnon. Hymon. <laughs> entos Hymen And that's Greek. And people try to. Translate this verse in so many different ways. Try to understand. By the way I met a great. Uh, Greek uh, professor. Who has taught Greek theology for 45 years, and he's going to be my Greek teacher. Um, And I'm really excited about that, and he tried to make it very practical. He explained explained some of the sites um, in Greek words that people misunderstand. He said, that's not what it means, because you need to understand Greek better in context. Um, And uh, here's what he says. There are three different types of people who understand this word. The kingdom of God is what? Because that's key to understand, for us to understand what's happening with the kingdom of God. One of the most popular understanding is the kingdom of God is within you or is in your hearts. That's actually kind of how people understood in the past few hundred years. But what that means, what's what's wrong with that understanding? What's wrong with the translation? you it gives the impression that you don't need the spirit of God. Like, I would tell you like, okay, then why does Jesus need to come down across if I can have the kingdom of God within you? Yeah, it kind of disconnects us with the Spirit of God. It kind of, it's impersonal, in a way. And also, it's very, it's fitting, and no wonder why this has been popular, because it's very fitting to our individualism, right? Oh, Jesus, a Kingdom of God is within my heart. It's about me. It's inside me. It's not really out there, but it's in here. You know, it's all about what I feel, how I feel, and that's where the Kingdom of God is. So, clearly, I don't agree with that. <laughs> Right? So that has moved on, and the modern translation of this word has become, the kingdom of God is among you, or in the midst of you. And actually, NRSB translation is, kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Which means, it's within you, it's out there, but what's wrong with that understanding? What could be wrong with that understanding? Which can be true, because it's closer than the one before, because it talks about, kingdom of God is in the midst of you, in the lives and work of Jesus Christ and continue the work of His disciples. True. And in the work of us. But what could be wrong with that is, it can be like, it's out there. It's secret. You're going to have to somehow get it or find out about it because it's out there. So the, really the translation, and I think it's very Nazarene understanding of it, very Wesleyan understanding of this passage might be, the kingdom of God is within your grasp. And we'll get to that. Kingdom of God is within your grasp. What does that mean? Kingdom of God is within your grasp. First, we need to understand the Kingdom of God. And the understanding that we have so far is that Kingdom of God is here, already, but not yet. Right? That's the understanding we have. And you have heard about this terminology already and not yet. It's here, but not complete. Among us, but not in perfect form. That's what we understand. So what does that mean? Kingdom of God here, but not yet. That means it's here. It's active. Right? It's active. And what does that mean for us? When we say the kingdom of God is here, the days of Son of Man is here, just like in the days of Noah and Lot. And how does people react to it? How do you react to it? And here's what Jesus means when he's comparing the days of Noah and days of Lot. You look at when he compares it, when Luke, the way that Luke writes it, he lists activities, right? In the days of Noah, what happens? The verse 27, they were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage. Is there something wrong with that? But is there something wrong with it in these activities? Are you sinning? Are these sinful activities? No. What about the days of Lot? Um, it says, 28, Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. Some people like to point out that drinking. See, drinking right there. You can't drink alcohol. <laughs> um, are these list of sins? Are they sinful in doing this? No. Is it, are these things something that we do? Yes. Yes. What was wrong with these people in this time? What is Jesus pointing out the days of these time to these people in these times? Drinkers. They were doing ordinary things of life, right. but they were focused on doing ordinary things of life. What were they lacking compared to Noah and Lot? A relationship with Jesus. Or relationship (laughs) relationship (laughs) with God but also what about the relationship to God what were they different than the people you saw Noah how was Noah different (laughs) (laughs) weren't they evil people people yeah they were Yeah, but that's not what Jesus is pointing out here Jesus is making a comparison to those people how was Noah different how was Lot different The difference was, Eddie pointed out, the difference was the awareness. Noah was aware of what's going to happen. Noah was aware and fully preparing himself to what's going to happen. Same thing with Lot. Lot was told he received the warning and he acted upon it. Compared to other people, they were busy. They were focused on something else. They were focused on life. They were focused on eating, drinking, getting married, chasing after their career, chasing after what they want to get, chasing after other relationships. But Noah and Lot was aware of what's going to happen. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's asking people then, and also us, are you too busy about the ordinary things in life and you're completely unaware of what's coming? Completely unaware of the kingdom of God that is here. And when you look at it, people are. Are people just like the times in the days of Noah and days of Lot? People around you? Aren't they? They are, right? They're completely busy, completely occupied, completely unaware of it. So Jesus is saying, it's like that. But you must be aware, you must know, and you must know and be prepared for it. So it's not really the sin issue. When you look at our faith, our Christian response to this, here's what it is. And we tend to really focus on sin, and oh, we shouldn't do that, we shouldn't do that. Oh... Um, you know, look at that, look at that. But really, the only response, the posture that is required of us is this. is understanding the time. Understanding the time. The understanding time and what's coming so that we need to respond, just like someone said in the Bible, in the Acts, it said, what must I do to be saved? That's it. We understand what's coming. We understand the time. We understand the urgency. We understand the son of judgment. And in that awareness, the question is, there's only one question for us, is what must I do to be saved? What must I do? And preparing for it. And preparing and knowing that the kingdom of God is here. And when I say the kingdom of God, I think our most response is, how do you feel about the kingdom of God? Is it a fantasy? It's like out there. Do you believe that the kingdom of God is here? Is it active in your life? What does it mean? The kingdom requires what? Two things that kingdom requires. You can't be without these two things in a kingdom. One, a king. Two, people, right? You can't be just a king with nobody, right? You can't be like the Elsa in the Frozen, in the, her own castle, right? You need, you need, if you're a king or queen, you need a king and you need people. So kingdom of God is actually a kingdom of people. And there's a king. And if that means Jesus is here and he's the king and kingdom of God has inaugurated, it is here, that means in your life, do you recognize there's a king? And this king isn't just a king, but this is a king who reigns over all things. That there is, even in our midst of suffering and chaos and powerlessness, do you recognize and act in faith and live your life as if the king has power? That there are things that you can do beyond yourself. There's a healing that can be done in your lives beyond possibility. There are ways that you can find peace and joy Beyond what the world offers, is the kingdom of God really alive and active in you, or is it just a fantasy that it's out there? Uh, one last thing: when we understand the verse, the kingdom of God is within your grasp, and that word is active. That means not only do you recognize, are you living, active, are you living in the kingdom of God, receiving? the power of King, but are you also responding to it? Because within your grasp means, there's that object, it's in my grasp, but what would I do? Would I make a decision? Would I respond to it? Which means, Jesus saying, it's in your grasp. You can reach out to me, which people are not. And we talked about this, there's Jesus, there's his disciples, and there's a whole lot of crowd. The Son of Man is in the grasp. The kingdom of God is in the grasp, but they're just observing. They're thinking. They're trying to figure out. They're trying to understand more when they can just make a decision and grasp. And grab and take. And that's where really the kingdom of God is in your grasp. Jesus means it's here for you to take. And I'm gonna get this started through the suffering. And that's what we celebrate in the Easter is how Jesus commenced inaugurating the kingdom of God, first through suffering, which is completely opposite of kingdom and a kinship. And he also calls us, running through the theme of, of the disciples, he also calls us, the way for us to be in the kingdom of God is to follow Jesus and to follow Jesus is to imitate him, follow him in his suffering. And in that, we bring about the kingdom of God through our actions to others. Is kingdom of God in you? Is it in your grasp? Or are you just imagining and thinking and fantasizing about it? So here's my hope for us. Is that As we celebrate the season of Lent and Easter, that we're not just thinking about, oh, we know what Jesus did. But thinking more in a sense of how will you respond to it? Remember I told, that, told you that we want to be a responsive community. The words that we have received today demands our reaction, demands our response. Are you going to follow and grasp and make decisions for the kingdom of God or will you sit back and just observe? Serve? Will you act on it so that the kingdom of God can be brought to others? even through our suffering as Jesus did. Let me pray. Father, we pray for faith because the kingdom of God isn't something that we, it can be seen. But we believe with the eyes and ears that you give us and the hearts that we can see it, that is active and has been active in our lives and in the lives of those around us. God, I pray that all of us will not just sit back but recognize and be aware that kingdom of God is here and it's coming to be fulfilled and that we act on it. Then may we decide on pursuing you and following you and acting so that others will also know that that you rule the world, that you are the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. This concludes our presentation for more information and other audio content please visit lifelightchurch.org